0: Special Sunday. Last Sunday was the first Sunday of 2023, and then today we have the uh, joy of sharing what our theme is for 2023. And uh, I'm excited about this theme. I'm excited about um, uh, what we're going to hopefully see God do through this. And some people say, "What? What is a theme?" Maybe you're newer to our church and you don't know what's going on, but uh, we have them on our uh, screens and, and we put them out in our um, emails and social media posts and, and stuff like that. And basically, why we have a theme is it helps us as a church to focus on something biblical uh, that points us to our biblical vision as a church. And so, it's, it's if you will, a rallying point, it's something for us to um, just constantly be reminded of in scripture. And hopefully throughout the year, uh, we'll do a good job of keeping that before us and it'll remind us of that. But I'm excited about this theme because it's, it's very uh, pointed, it's very clear, uh, it's simple, but yet so um, um, huge. It's, it's so important for us to do that. And last week, we talked about what, what we're to do in a new year. And I think it's, it's amazing how the Lord uh, put that on my heart and then going into this, uh, the three points that we saw last week about what to do in a new year was, number one, to prioritize the kingdom. Secondly, was to part ways with the past. We talked about whether it's a, a past defense or, or past guilt or whatever the case may be. And then thirdly, we talked about to prepare for war. And all of those are vital for, I believe, carrying out this year's theme in our lives. Our, our, our theme verses are going to be found in the book of Jude, but we're going to read the whole chapter it's 25 verses, so buckle and I, I said yesterday in our workers' meeting um, that, you know, please don't fall asleep. It's early. It's early here. Don't fall asleep. We're going we're gonna to talk about this uh, at length. But this is what it says. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation— I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. First, and the reason why, he explains the reason why, because certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, this judgment, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord jesus christ now if you've been here and and i know a lot of our members are here but uh, if you're newer here and you you were here when we started before christmas uh, the end the end the study on the end times uh, we've been talking about what the end looks like we talked about the condition of mankind in the end talked about how uh, there's going to be a lot of false teachers and scoffers and mockers and all those things and this is right in line with that and jude uh th- this 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 warning here is that people have crept in unnoticed into the church and they have basically done these things inside the church and and if you again you've been here we've talked about how there's so many podcasts and so many YouTube accounts and so many people that you can watch on TV and there's so many celebrity if you will celebrity pastors that so many people follow and 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 there's these one liners that are out there and sometimes the one liners are really good and uh, there, there's these, these statements that are out there, and sometimes they're really good, but when you consider the doctrine of, of those who are out there, there's a whole lot of these who are popular and celebrity, celebrity that I believe fit right into what we're seeing here in Jude. They've crept in unnoticed. And while there's some things that seem to uh, work uh, it, with what we believe and what Scripture teaches, there's a lot of error in their teaching. And so he's explaining to them, listen, you've got to earnestly contend for the faith because people have crept in unnoticed and, and, and they're, they're marked out long beforehand for this judgment. They're ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. And what does that mean? What is turning the grace of God into licentiousness? Basically, a license to sin, a license to indulge in lust and, and, and covetousness and greed and all that. And so we, we say, this is what people say oftentimes, that's why I, I push against it in our church. Well, I think God understands. Listen, that's not how we approach the, thro- the, the grace of God. The grace of God compels us. The grace of God should, should drive us to absolute devotion to the King of Kings. That's why I said it, 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 they turn this grace into this licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. There's no point in our Christian lives where we, are, we should ever be trying to make an excuse to do what we want to do versus stay in a submitted state doing what he wants us to do. Did you hear that again? We should, we should never in our Christian life give any reason or excuse to do what we want to do versus staying submitted and in, in, in committed to doing what he wants us to do. But so often we like to do things. As I said, I don't think God has a problem with this. Or I think God is okay if I do that. Listen, look at what scripture says. That's why he said, earnestly contend for the faith. Don't, don't, don't hold back. Don't follow these people or turn the grace of God, this unmerited favor given to you. We just sang about it. Into this license to sin. So he says, now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once and for all, you've been given all these instructions that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. So you know how God works. You know how he acts. He's always done this, that he has rewarded those who trust in him, and he has judged those who reject him, angels even. Who do not keep their own domain, but abandon their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for what? The judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they are in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So, all of these things, again, he's reminding them, all these things you, you've known these examples of God's righteous requirements, the, 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 the standard of grace in Jesus Christ, you know all of these things. You also know the fact that God will judge the unrighteous, the, those who reject him, those who are uh, doing exactly what he said they're going to do, yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment. But look what he said. Even Michael, the Lord will rebuke you. God is the judge. God has the final say. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they, do, do, they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay, they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. We, we, we sometimes don't take as serious what God considers false doctrine, what false doctrine is, and how serious God takes it. When somebody is going to speak in error, or somebody's going to do something out of greed, or, or, or to, to, to gain a following themselves, there's a great reservation of judgment for these people. And that's what he's warning the, the brethren about. He says, listen, they're going headlong into the Balaam and, and perish in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast. When they feast with you without fear, caring for only themselves, they're like clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, dead, uh, doubly dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones, listen, to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Listen, again, the, the, the standard of the Christian life, the, the way that we should be living, you, you've heard me talk about even, even last week, we prioritized the kingdom of God. We have, I believe, in American culture, have become so saturated with what we want our lives to be that we've dumbed down the call of the Christian. The standard is high. The kingdom of God is all it's about. And we have so made it about us when it's all about him. And, and so he says, listen, this is what God has done in the past, and this is how he's going to execute judgment in the future. These people who disregard his grace and actually turn his grace and pervert his grace. People who say that you don't have to follow God with all your heart, and you know, then you fall into legalism. And No, 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 no. There's a difference between legalism and passionately following Christ with everything you have. And for some reason, even in conservative churches like us, there's this kickback of standard, this kickback of all in, no compromise for the King of Kings. This kickback, well, I just don't know if I have time. I just don't know if, well, I've got some other stuff. What? It's the King of Kings, it's the Lord of Lords. He goes on to say these are grumblers finding fault, following after their, listen, their own lust, their own desires. They speak arrogantly. And they're flattering people, listen, for the sake of gaining an advantage. They're not for Christ. They're not speaking the truth in love. They're not preaching the, the righteousness of God faithfully. He says, this is what they're doing. This is the judgment that's coming upon them. But look where he turns now. He says, but you, beloved... Ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you, this is exactly what's going to happen. In the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust, their own godly desires. These are the ones, listen, listen very carefully. These are the ones who cause divisions. Why is there division in the church why, why, do, why does it happen to why isn't that a, a group of people who say they have the same holy Spirit living inside of them gather together on a regular basis to read from the same scripture, the same text? How is it that that, that group of people who say they have that spirit reading from the same text can be on different pages? I believe part of the I believe part of the the, the Uh, equation is this there are some inside who don't have the spirit of god in them and i believe they they think they do and i believe they say to other people they do but by their their the, the desires that's driving them and the way that they're living their lives and these things that are happening it is clear that they do not have the spirit because look what he says these are the ones who cause divisions they are what minded worldly minded they think, well, we can make it to that, but we've got this thing going on, and, well, we would be at church, but, you know, we, we're going to miss the game, and, and these are worldly-minded. Listen what he says. it's is not me. Devoid of the Spirit. So there's a clear distinction between the people who have the Spirit of God and those who don't have the Spirit of God. And One of the, one of the, the, the evidence is this. Is that if you are a child of God, there's something in you, which is the Holy Spirit, that is desiring to be a peacemaker, to, to, to foster peace, to foster unity, and to operate in love. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. But if it's not there, and you're on your own page wanting to, what it said, doing what you, following after your own lust, worldly minded, don't care about unity, Matter of fact, you're okay if they're not connected and there's division. There's got to be a real evaluation on whether the Spirit of God truly dwells within because it says they're devoid of the Spirit. He says, but you, beloved, you who are truly Christians, you truly do have the Spirit of God, you who are the family of God, the building of God, the, the church of Jesus Christ, you, beloved, building yourselves up, listen, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in what? The love of God. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And, and have mercy on some. These people who are outside of the, the family of God. These people maybe in the church who are a part of this. Have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatch them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. In this book, we're called in the first few verses to earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith. That was once and for all handed down to the saints. Why is it so vital for you and I to earnestly contend for the faith? Especially now. Well, the scripture told us false teachers, ungodly people. They've crept into the church and they've perverted the truth and have led many astray. That's why even in conservative churches like us that preach the Bible every week, I mean, we literally just read a whole book of the Bible, and, and we're talking about it this morning. There, there's churches like that around, but the reason why inside churches like that, there are still people who in their minds are compromising that they should not give everything to the Lord, that the kingdom of God should not be priority in their life, that they should not be preparing for war like we talked about last week. Why is that is the case? Why are there some people who say, it's not a big deal that I'm not there. It's not a big deal that I don't do this. It's not a big deal that I don't want to invite anybody to church. It's not a big deal that I do this or, or, or I'm a part of a group or whatever. Why is it that there's some people? Because there have been people who have crept in and perverted the truth and twisted the truth and led many astray. And So even among Bible-believing Christians, there are some people who have compromised what it looks like to earnestly contend for the faith it's a fight that's why i said last week prepare for war that's why it should be every day of our life man this is about holding the truth holding to the truth and holding to the faith and living passionately for the kingdom of god without compromise not giving excuse well i know others some these people are really really spiritual they're really really mature christians And they don't always do. That's part of our problem. Yes, we have people who we should be looking to as leaders and examples, but I've said this many times before. That's why the Apostle Paul himself said very clearly, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. If they were following Christ... And following the leaders that they had set in place, when those leaders started to swerve off of what the truth and what doctrine is, they would have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, well, anyway, why aren't you doing this anymore? You, why, why are you not? Because this is, what, this is what following Christ looks like. See, it's the church's responsibility to hold the truth. Second Timothy chapter 1, 13, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me. This is Paul talking. In faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3, for the time's coming when people not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, which is interesting, right? In those days, there were definitely teachers, multiple teachers, and there were areas that people could travel to, but can you imagine how much that's increased in modern times with the advent of, of technology that we have today? People heaping to themselves teachers, accumulating for themselves teachers that suit their own desires. Well, I like what this guy says. Well, I like what this lady says. But in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15, we're told to speak the truth in love. And we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, even into Christ. This year's theme comes from that book of Jude. Our theme verses are verses 24 and 25. The theme is unto him. Unto him. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Now and ever. Amen. Years ago, I shared a video with our leaders and in different, uh, even I think our, our church worker meeting, uh, video that was a really old video at the time, and it's even older now, but uh, this, this gentleman, his name is Simon Sinek, and uh, he had a, a, a TED Talk on um, basically the why, the purpose, right? And he used concentric circles to talk about how some people are successful and why some people are successful and why and how some people are not. And uh, he used this idea of concentric circles to explain that the outside circle is your what. The the second circle is your your how. And then the, the, the bullseye is your why. Um, and so, you know, we talked about that. And um, as I was praying through and trying to get clarity on this year's theme, uh, all I could see was concentric circles, but a little bit different than the three circles. It had four with Jesus at the center. So I want to embrace that. And um, if we can throw our... me throw our graphic up there. There it is. Maybe. (laughs) Just kidding. Sneak peek. There we go. So you see the concentric circles there, and that's what I want us to keep in our mind this year. That's, that's what I want to be burned into our spiritual walk, unto him. And you notice the, the middle is, is highlighted. It's, it's a little brighter. It's, it's what you focus on. See, I, I believe that once we know what we're aiming at, once we know that the bullseye is, then the purpose of our warfare, the aim, the goal what it is, then it empowers us as not only as Christians, but as, as a church, it empowers us to do what we're called to do, to be who we're called to be. So defining, uh, by defining those outer rings, the, the what, the how, the why, I believe that we can actually fulfill who we're doing it all for. See, when you know who you're aiming at or what you're aiming at, it brings clarity and drive to the battle. Whenever you know the, the purpose, that it, then it helps you on a daily basis. And so I want to talk just in, in a little practical sense on, based on this scripture and based on, on, on scripture as a whole, what those outer rings would, would look like and, and uh, how it should drive everything you and I do as a Christian, as a church, in ministry, everything. So the outer rung, right, that very outside little light, light blue ring would represent what we do. Right? What we do, the Bible talked, we just read it, and we hold to and proclaim the truth in effort to do a, a few things. So we hold to the truth and we proclaim the truth for a few things to happen. Number one, to expose ungodliness and error. So if we aren't holding to the truth of God's word alone, and we're not proclaiming it faithfully, then ungodliness and error will not be exposed. In other words, uh, I've used this illustration before. Um, about money. I was a teller at one point in time before I was in ministry, and uh, in teller school, all they did was was tell us to count real money. Uh, but they warned us that if you had some counterfeit bills, it, it would cost you, eventually cost you your job. And so as a new person never hand, handling counterfeit money, it scares you. But they tell you, it's okay, you're going to handle enough real money that as soon as you touch something that's fake, you'll know instantly. And it was so true. I was paranoid. I'd never been, I'd never counted money like that in my life. And yet here I am counting money, and they're they're telling me if you handle enough of the real stuff, the the fake stuff will stand out. And that's exactly what happened. I was counting day, hours, uh, that whole time in teller school, real money, real money, real money, real money. And eventually, sometime throughout the week, they put a couple of counterfeits in some of our, not everybody's, in in some of our drawers as we were counting. And you know what? Just within a few days of faithfully handling the real stuff, the fake stuff was exposed easily in your hands. And with truth, it's the same way. If we would immerse ourselves and we would hold to and proclaim the truth, then when we hear those podcasts, when we listen to those, those YouTube, when that, that guy comes on the TV or the girl comes on the TV, we'll know that doesn't sound right. That, that's not true. I don't think that's right. But we hold to. What, this is what we're doing. We hold to and proclaim the truth in an effort to, secondly, reach those who seem to be unreachable. If you remember in the text, it says snatching them who even had the garments that, that were spotted with, with, with the fire, with, the, with smoke. Snatching them out of the fire. Man, we got people in our lives that are lost and in need of salvation. And sometimes, sometimes it can be difficult. Those conversations can be hard. Sometimes it seems like they might be unsavable. Man, if anybody's going to hell, it's this person <laughs> Right, That's sometimes how we feel about people. But the Bible says that we are to hold the truth and proclaim the truth with with, with mercy and love that that we're to be even reaching, having mercy on people, reaching them who even seem to be unreachable. And then the third thing is this, building each other up. It said that we're supposed to be building each other up on our most holy faith. You know, that's what leadership does. (coughs) Excuse me. Leadership sets the example. As Christians, we're to be setting an example for one another, for others. Our kids, our grandkids, the next generation, whatever. Building each other up. So that outer circle, the what, we can even make it even more practical and say it's the tangible part of the mission that we have as a church. It's the preaching, it's the teaching, it's what we just did this morning. It's the singing and the praising of God. It's, it's serving what some people are doing right now next door and back there. and it, It's serving before services and after services. It, it, it's serving. It's also when we leave here and go throughout our week and we're witnessing to the people and we're trying to invite them to church and, and we're doing the things. The what of the mission is the, the outer ring. That, that outer ring is, is the tangible part of us, what we do this is what we do as Christians, as the church. But I think that you have to ask it. I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And as a member of the Lord's church, church am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I even, am I even hitting the target at all? Am I, am I touching the what at all? You know, when you're, you're aiming at a target, sometimes... You, you, you're zeroing something in, whether it's an, a bow and arrow or a gun or whatever, and, and you shoot, and you are whew, I'm off target. Let me ask you this. Are you hitting the target? Are you even close to the outer rings? Are you, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing as a part of the church? I, I think there's some people say, yeah, absolutely I am. But I also think that you can go through the motions, right? You can go through the motions of, of almost anything. And I would argue that many people even do that with what they do for the Lord. Many people go through the motions of praise. Many people go through the motions of serving. They feel obligated to serve. Well, I hold this title or I I have this position or um, if I don't, then this is what I'm going to, you know, uh, somebody's going to be griping or whatever. So maybe I feel obligated to serve. Maybe even feel guilty that they're not doing something to invite other people, and so they do what they do out of guilt. However, we're not to do what we do for the Lord with any other drive or any other way than the way that the Bible tells us how we're supposed to be doing it. And that's the next rung inside. How we do what we do is essential. First of all, everything we do for the Lord should be done with earnest effort. We're to earnestly contend for the faith. We're to earnestly uh, strive after the Lord or earnestly uh, share the gospel with people. It should be something that matters to us. This is how we do what we do. Secondly, in line with that, is excellence. Man, if you're doing it for the king of kings, if you're doing it for your savior, the one who laid down his life, took your sin and paid your price, for all of eternity, and rose again to give you eternal life as a gift, how could we give to him anything less than the excellent effort for his kingdom? Excellence. Excellence is how we do what we do. It's, it's supposed to be what we do. And then again, as we read in the Scripture, with mercy and fear and love. How we do what we do. What, why are you, or how, how are you How are you serving? How are you carrying out that that, that that tech ministry service, the welcome center, the, the kids' ministry, the, the worship team, or whatever area, the parking team, what area are you serving in? How, how are how are you inviting people to church? How are you witnessing to them? How we do it should be with earnest effort and excellence, with mercy, fear, and love. That's how we should. Do. This is how we should do anything. But throughout scripture and in Jude, we see what that next inner rung is, and that is why. So what we do, we preach and teach and invite and praise and serve and, and build each other up and encourage, that, that's what we do. And how we do it should be with excellence and earnest effort and mercy, love, and fear. But why? Why should we do it with excellence? Why should we do it faithfully? Why should we do it with an earnest effort? Why? What's the purpose behind doing the things we're supposed to be doing for the Lord as a church, as a Christian? Well, first of all is this, Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. He said it. There should be no other reason. We we, we could close it and say, well, if Jesus said it, we should do it. The end. He's our Lord. He's God. That's why we should do it the way that he's, he's told us to do it. But beyond that, secondly, our love demands it. John 14, verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Again, if we say that we love him, then there's going to be an obedience to his commands. So, why do we do what we do? Why are you here this morning? Why, why are you going to leave today and, 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 and go through this week and be praying and looking for ways to invite people to come and hear about Jesus? Why are you going to try to give them a track? Why are you going to try to witness to them yourself? Why are you going to try to be a light, be an encouragement to other Christians? Why are you going to set that example in your home? Why are you going to do all of that? Number one, because Jesus commanded you to do that. But secondly, because you love Him and you desire to do that for Him. And the third thing is this it's the, it's the reason why you and I are still here. Believe it or not, it's, it's not to buy a house, even though that's a cool blessing to have on this earth, it's not to buy a car. It's not to, to all the earthly things that we, we sometimes start living for and, and, and deriving our purpose and life from, like this is my job, this is my money, this is my hobby, this is why I live. Again, it's not about that. As a child of God, our why is it comes from Jesus. Why I'm still here is because he has kept me to accomplish his purpose. That's why you have to say, why, why does God... Why did he take some people home already? Just like the Apostle Paul, their race has been run. God used their life to accomplish his purpose. And now they're receiving the reward. If they're a child of God, they're receiving the reward of their faithfulness and their faith in him. You and I are here kept for his purpose, not our purpose. The why, of course, is the motivation. And while all the rungs are essential, right, you, you, have, to, you have to understand what we're supposed to do as a Christian, right? Knowing, knowing what the job is is important. But how to do the job, how to do what you're supposed to be doing as a child of God is important. How how you, want, how you want this done? With excellence, earnest effort. Why? Why is it so important? Because Jesus commanded it. And we love him, and so we want to accomplish his purpose that he still has us here for. All of that centers on... And this is where we should derive our passion to carry all of that out the why the how the what it all comes from the bullseye and that's the who unto him unto him is the theme that's why that should be again last year's theme was raised with christ if you've been raised with christ and set your mind your thoughts your affections your cares on things above not on earthly things so here it is, what drives you, what motivates you, what impassions you, what gets you up in the morning, what, what keeps you going, what even maybe keeps you awake at nighttime must not be the things of this world. You and I have got to fight against that because you and I are the same. The same. We have fleshly bodies, and our flesh is prone to go after the world. All of us are, are wired like that. But what we have to strive after It's to keep our target, our our, our sights set on Jesus, unto him. It's all about him. It's not about us. It's not about the world. It's not about stuff. It's about him. At the end of it all, I promise you, I promise you, we'll get it. When we're standing there at the judgment seat, we're going to get it. But if we can get it now. It'll be so much more fruitful and rewarding now and then. Two quick things, and I'm going to close. Notice the aim in the bullseye to Jesus, unto him who is able. Who is able. He's able to do a couple of things. Not just a couple things, but in our notes a couple things. He can do everything he wants to do. Unto him who is able, look at this, to keep you from stumbling. Say, man, I... I don't know, I, I seem like I stumble all the time. I feel like that I, can, I cannot, I feel like I, I can barely stay focused on Jesus. I feel like I'm always getting distracted, always stumbling in the world, always stumbling in my flesh. Listen, that's why it's vital for us to focus on him because he is able to keep us from stumbling. I, mean, we, I trip over my feet all the time. We all easily trip over our own feet and the world is really easy to trip over as well. But he's able to keep us from stumbling and secondly, make us stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy. Make us stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy. Which is amazing, which if he's able to keep us from stumbling, he's able to do that as well. And so the key, again, in in our Christian daily lives is to get up every day and make sure that our sights are set on the bullseye. Make sure our sights are set on Jesus Christ alone. Not on, on again, being successful in the world or, or gaining these things. Listen, God will give to us and bless us how he sees fit. Especially when we have the, the bullseye set right. Especially when we have our, 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 our sights set right. But the second thing is this. Unto him to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then this simple thing, be. If we're focused on him, he's able to do with us what only he can do with us. But the second thing that happens when we're focused on him, a few things come from us to him. right? He's able to do these things for us, keep us from stumbling, present us blameless in his presence. But when we're focused on him, what resonates from our life is glory. His glory, praise, worship, honor to his name. When we're focused on Jesus, what ends up coming out of our life and what he receives is the majesty that he already inhabits, which is divinity and greatness and dominion. He deserves it all. It all comes from us. it's, It's his already, but it exudes from our life his praise, his glory, his honor. All of it goes to him because it is his. All authority is his. He deserves all the praise. And that's how that, this book is end, uh, end, ended. Before all time, now, and forevermore. See, the life that we daily live, that we live daily aimed at Christ should be so sincere that it inspires other people to follow. When we're aimed at Christ and we're living it sincerely, I believe it inspires others to follow. See, I believe if we don't get up every day and place your sights, and I don't place my sights, if we don't get up every day and do that on Jesus Christ, then we're never going to be effective in what we're supposed to be doing on this earth. And that's going to matter. As I said a while ago at the judgment seat, it's going it to matter. Don't you want to, to, to be um, rewarded and fulfilled on that day of judgment before the Lord? Don't don't you want to stand there without regret? I don't know about you, but I do. I want to stand there before my Lord without having any thoughts of, of, man, I wish I could have gone back and done this better for you, Lord. I wish I would have had that one more conversation with that lost loved one. God, I wish I, I don't want to stand there on the day of that judgment seat of Christ and have anything like that. And the only way that you and I can do that is if every day we set our sights on him, unto him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he who plants and he waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But I want you to understand it says this. Further down it says that everyone will receive the reward of his labor, whatever it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one will receive recompense for his deeds in the body according to what he's done, whether good or evil. So this morning, I want to challenge you. This year, today, let's make sure that our sights, our focus is on Jesus Christ alone. It's easy to get distracted. Maybe somebody has distracted you. Maybe something has distracted you. Maybe an idea, something else has distracted you, and you can sit there in that seat and you can say right now, I am not 100% focused on Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning. There in your seat here at this altar, say, God, forgive me and help me. I want to get up every day and focus my life on you. I, I want to be zeroed in on you because you are my God, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. You are what it's all about. And I want to live for you alone. Let's do that today. Let's live that out in 2023. Father, thank you for this time. Again, thank you for uh, this message. Lord, thank you for this scripture. Lord, this reminder uh, this morning that it's real easy to get pulled aside. It's real easy to get deceived. It's real easy to get uh, distracted. There's a lot of voices in the world A lot of voices, even in Christendom, Lord, I I pray that we would hold tight to your truth, to your voice, the voice of truth, Lord. I pray that we would desire every day to set our sights on you, and God, that through that you will produce in us and through us what brings you glory, what brings you praise, Lord, help us now to respond in the right way. I know there may be somebody here this morning that they're not positive that they are your child. They're not positive that if they were to die today, they're going to spend eternity in, in heaven with you. And if there is somebody like that, God, I pray that this, this morning, this invitation right now that we're about to have, that they would move forward. They would come talk to me, talk to someone here at the front, and say, I, I have to know how to go to heaven. I, I've never thought about that before. Or I want to make that sure today. I pray you just move that way as well. or we'll just have your way as we respond, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to invite you to come.